and just continue to remember everyone that tries to put the Lord first in their lives. Uh, just uh, I think about uh, the challenge. It's hard today because we're not raised in a culture. There's so many distractions out there, a culture that seems to respect the Lord and respect the things of the Lord. And uh, just so thankful that we live in this free land. This is Memorial Day weekend. Later on, we'll have a, a video that has a tribute to our veterans. And uh, really, Memorial Day is about those who gave their life. Uh, veterans Day is about to honor those who are living. But we want to do both uh, a little bit later today. And uh, we'll do that. And just so thankful to live in a free land.
time Ethan going to bring our special. The CD can skip, and he just keeps on going. And uh, I'm gonna get the light, and I'm gonna have a. Uh, I get the uh, this. I'm gonna set up uh, this uh, video for you real quick. This is a, a video for Memorial Day. Pretty neat, put together by the Skit guys. And I'm uh, make it a little bit darker in here, so you can see it a little bit better. And uh, for Memorial Day, and uh, so. When I get this light turned off, Trey, go ahead and let it start. I love seeing things click in my son's head. 
It's taken the better part of the last nine years to master the art of catching this elusive microscopic moment. The instant he realized where hamburgers and his little sister came from have been among the most enjoyable. Third grade has taught Hudson a lot about the roots of our country. So when a business trip sent me to D.C. recently, I thought it was the perfect opportunity for a father-son trip and for me to watch all the little dots connect in his head about what he'd been learning in school. We saw where the very first president lived. We came all the way out here for this. And we saw where the president lives today. My son taught me what he'd learned in school about the men who framed our country. And I taught my son about the men and women who are still shaping our country today. And that's why the legislative branch is broken into two different sections. Yeah, but why do they argue so much? We walked in the footsteps of countless men and women who stood up for their rights. And we sat at the feet of the great emancipator, who to this day still sits vigilant over all of our rights. He's a lot bigger in person. Uh-huh. I've been looking for those clicks, those aha moments. But my son surprised me. He had it all pretty well figured out. But we still had one place left to visit. These are our heroes, son. What kind of heroes? These are the heroes that made possible everything you and I saw today. These are American heroes, son. Is that a hero, Dad? Yeah, that's a hero. Can we go get pizza now? Those moments never last as long as a father would like. And today I pray that the families of these fallen can somehow feel the goodness of God amidst their loss. Come on, Dad. I've been waiting forever. Okay, let's go. It is because of the sacrifices of our heroes that I have the freedom to experience moments like this. So to all the men, women, and families of those who served in the armed forces, thank you for your sacrifice. You will never be forgotten. Thank you, Trey. I'd like to ask now if... Uh... If you've served our country in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or United States Coast Guard, would you please stand at this time? Now give them a hand. Amen. Amen. 
I want to have a word of prayer at this time. I know some have, uh, as uh, the saying goes, uh, all gave some and some gave all. And really Memorial Day is about some gave all and gave their lives. Uh, just like the little video represented, you know, there's many in... Uh, our country that died, gave their all for our freedoms that we have. Thank you for your help, Trey. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time we have to remember those who gave us a freedom. This country was founded uh, on one of the many uh, things that were being pursued was religious freedom. Uh, it was even more uh, coveted even without those other things uh, like taxation without representation and different things to that nature. And, uh, Father, I know that religious freedom was one of the, the pivotal uh, planks and the platform, so to speak, of wanting a new country. And, Father, I pray that you would help us to never take our freedom for granted I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your time. Just to honor you briefly. Just to remember that uh, many have given their lives. Many have done awesome things for the freedoms that we have. Uh, As you open your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 2, we just had revival services trying to get closer to God. And uh, I dare say that any of us can say, well, I'm as close to God as I've ever been. You might be, and that would be awesome. Matter of fact, if you're walking with the Lord that way, then you are a tool to help other people get close to God. Are you an encourager? Are you trying to encourage people? Now, Matter of fact, even in it didn't happen here at Promised Land, but there down the hallway, I don't know, somebody can tell me after church who put together those frames that have a list of people from Promised Land or this area or this county that have served in World War One, World War Two and and whatever other may be listed there. And but that's pretty neat. I like the little memorial thing we have down the hall there. It kind of reminds me that common, everyday country people have served our country, including many that stood just now serving our country for just a little while. One day there was a man, and uh, actually and uh, a man and a little boy was standing in a hallway, and they were looking at a memorial plaque, and uh, the little boy said, uh, "What what are all these names and who are these people? And, uh, and of course, the man in dignity, he said, well, these are men and women who have died in the service. And uh little boy got real still, and he said, well, was that the morning or the evening service at church? And, uh, and of course, had to explain which service it was. But so many times we uh, don't pass along that heritage, even today. Uh, it seems like many of our our latest wars, uh, 
Vietnam, the Korean War, the fight against communism, uh, even today it has changed. We don't fight communism as much as we're fighting uh, radical Muslims. A lot of these are heated issues. And as we think about this, one thing that shouldn't be a heated issue is, is should I pass along the heritage like this father was trying to do with his son? What is the most important heritage that you can pass along to your kids? I'll tell you what it is. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest heritage that you can pass along to any of our kids today. Let's begin reading with uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which uh, we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which it first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. And uh, in looking at this, the first part sounds pretty easy. We need to wake up and pay attention lest some things start slipping in our lives, slipping in our, in our family values. i tell you something that's really affected a lot of homes and, you know, we think about the our home lives are slipping. Uh, we have so many families today. Uh, it, matter of fact, teachers know this very, very vividly, and I do as a pastor, and of course, a little bit from experience, and that is, uh, you know, so many homes have been touched by divorce. And it's like, uh, have you ever been trying to, okay, this is your mom, oh, that's my stepmom. Is this your dad? No, that's my grandfather. And and kids today have been touched by broken homes. The home life, it seems like Satan has got a foothold in it. And it has affected all of us. There is not a person in this room that hasn't been affected by broken homes. Now, uh, there may be some in here that's never been through divorce, but maybe uh, it's your kids or maybe it's your parents like it was in my case uh I'm, i know i was thinking i've used for an illustration many times you know my sister's here this morning and and she and i went through that and uh it was uh it, it totally changed our lives a broken home god can take a bad situation and make something good out of it but his ultimate desire is for Healthy families. I've seen broken homes come together. And folks, there's some things we need to pay attention to lest we let them slip away from us. Uh, you know, Karen and I were talking, there are so many families today that are affected by sin, that are affected by... And there's not a recognition of sin anymore. Now, if you look at that first point... Uh, you know, and quickly, the introduction talks about verse 3 is an unanswerable question. How are you going to get to heaven 
if you neglect so great a salvation. It says if we neglect so great a salvation. That's an unanswerable question. You cannot get to heaven if you don't accept God's salvation. Looking at that first point, you know something that's slipping? What we call sin. Matter of fact, we don't take a stand against sin. I've had, matter of fact, even phone calls this week. This week, well, really, probably more accurately, text about, you know, I'm faced with this situation, <clears throat> and it really, it boiled down to this. Should I take a stand against sin? This week, should I take a stand against sin? Now, these sins could be anything. In other words, should I? Uh, man, and I've seen it, and you've seen it, the broken homes... And it all has to do with, with parenting and parenting skills. And even grandparents are being, and great-grandparents are being thrust in the role of being having to make a decision for kids or grandkids. And it's, it's overwhelming taking a stand against sin. You know, sin, uh, some things, well, you know, well, they're, they're not, that sin is not harming anybody. That sin is not affecting anybody but them. This is my sin. But folks, you and I cannot openly, publicly commit sin and it not affect more than just you. Especially if you're a church member. It says, matter of fact, it says in verse 2, For if the word spoken by the angels, so the angels were messengers of God. They spoke God's word. And every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. So many things that are wrong in our lives today have been affected by, by sin. And it could be anything, personal decisions, everyday lives. It's just, you say, well, it's only me. But being a church member, whenever you commit a sin, it affects the whole church. You say, no, I, don't, I still don't buy it. Well, let me tell you about a fellow by the name of Achan. And Achan, they, they went in there and they went into Jericho and everybody's obeying God. And God said, don't even lift a finger, just march around the city. And he says, I'll bring you the victory. Boom! The walls fell down flat. They went in, had the victory. A fellow by the name of Achan saw some Babylonian garments and different things and a bunch of good-looking stuff. Went and hid it in his tent. It's just him and nobody knew about it. They went up to the next town called Ai. This is the children of Israel. And a little old whippersnapper town no bigger than Hamburg whooped the snot out of big old multitude from Israel. Why? We call it there was sin in the camp. God let one man's sin bring a whole nation down. So, folks, if I feel personally responsible what if I, as your leader and your pastor, what if I have unconfessed sin in my life and God is withholding 
a blessing on promised land just because your pastor saying, well, that's the pastor. Well, folks, it's any of us. I'm a church member just like you. If I have unconfessed sin in my heart, in my life. Uh, now, those verses, I'm not going to read A because that just says we're all sinners. You can look it up. Matter of fact, most of y'all know Romans 3.10. I'll just quote it real quick. There's none righteous, no, not one. The next one, for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Okay? I do want you to go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Now, this is a cool scripture. Got my large print Bible. Don't have my glasses. Thank the Lord. Okay. 1 John chapter 1 verse 7. This is, uh, let's, let's just put this on everyday country terminology. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, you know what this means? You're walking with the Lord. You're praying every day. You pick up your Bible. You read a few verses in the morning and a few verses at night. Man, you're walking with the Lord. You go to church. You are going to church. Matter of fact, you not only go to church, you're going to Sunday school. <laughs> like I mentioned earlier, you're going to Sunday school. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we what? We have fellowship one with another. Guess what? Uh, most of the time, I matter of fact, I don't know about how high a percentage. I'm going to say 90-something percent of the time. If two church members are not getting along anywhere, one of them is not walking in the light. Because it says right here, and you just call the Word of God a liar, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, I ain't guilty. I've never done anything wrong. Somebody else needs revival. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This is things we let slip. Self-examination before casting an accusation. Self-examination before casting an accusation. Matter of fact, we should never cast an accusation. Galatians 6, 1 tells you what to do if somebody's overtaken in sin. Okay? And then it says in verse 9, now this is, that's talking about horizontally, now vertically. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then if you say to God, if we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar. And His Word is not in us. So you go from horizontal to vertically. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing. He's saying, no, you're not walking with me every day. Well, the next part, that's something that's slipping. Something's slipping. What is slipping? And folks, now, there's no need in me saying, I don't need to say, well, it's slipping in their life, and I know them, and they're messing up, and I know them, and they're not living right. Just look at ourselves. And that's as far as we need to go. And that'll take care of it. Again, you can help somebody if you're concerned about them. You go to them in a heart of love and prayer. And you pray together. And say, is there something wrong? Well, and if, I'm, if, I'm, if I won't recognize sin, the next part says, and if you turn to Psalm 51, jump back to the Old Testament, famous, famous passage, my, my prayer life of my sin. Well, I just got caught with my hand in the cookie jar. 
I'm guilty. Nathan confronted David, said, Thou art the man. Peter, whenever he looked at Jesus and he said, and he saw the very one he betrayed, not betrayed, but uh, uh, said, I didn't know him. The Bible says in Luke's account that Jesus and Peter locked eyeballs right when he did it. And what does the Bible record about Peter after he got caught, so to speak, denying the Lord? He went out and wept bitterly. Well, Psalm 51, I think he was just trying to sweep it under the rug. Y'all ever reckon kings or politicians ever try to sweep anything under the rug? My goodness, that's a sarcastic statement, isn't it? Well, David, I think, was trying to sweep it under the rug. But you know what Nathan said? He said, because you did this thing in secret, I'm going to let everybody know about it. And your family will become a reproach. And he lost that child. And he lost Absalom. Oh, by the way, Absalom was trying to kill him and take over his kingdom. And whenever he died, in the day that uh, Brother Cloy Chapman says, the day that God hung the hippie and the mule rode on, I tell you, and then what he did whenever Joab came along and, and finished the, what got started. Joab killed him. You know what David did? He went out, even though his son was trying to kill him and overtake his throne, he said, Oh, my son Absalom. His heart was broken. You know why? David's sin brought all of it on. David's sin with a woman named Bathsheba. And after, even though, folks, I believe David got forgiveness of his sin. Folks, you know what's slipping? People that are broken and won't pray over their sin anymore. We won't break. Matter of fact, what will it take for God to break us? We're not broken before an almighty God, a holy and just God. Matter of fact, Psalm 51 is David's prayer. And it says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. He felt dirty, not before man, but before God. Man is secondary. Folks, if you can get right with God, the man problem will take care of itself. You won't worry about what people think when you've got God taken care of. Stop worrying about what people think and worry about what does God think. The people thing will take care of itself. And it doesn't really matter what people think, but most of the time we don't care what God thinks. Now that's a bigger problem. And then it goes on to say, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He said, I sinned against you in verse 4. In verse 5, he says, I'm a sinner from conception. Verse 6, it says, you desire truth, but many people don't want to hear the truth. And as Jack Nicholson said, and a few good men, you can't handle the truth. And if true, real truth comes from this book, this book right here. And the whole point of this whole exercise was verse 12, where he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Don't leave off verse 13. After you get things right with God, then you'll tell others about him. That's what verse 13 says. <clears throat> the famous revival verse, Second Chronicles 7.14 
which says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Well, the last point this morning is my desire to live a holy life or a life pleasing to God. That's what's slipping. So what two things, quick review, and you walk out of here, if I give you a pop quiz in the alleyway, you say, what brother, and I have done it, some of y'all. What did I pre- They say, good sermon, preacher. You know what I've done before? What did I preach on? Okay, remember. <laughs> then how do you know it was a good sermon? <laughs> and uh, and it's only five minutes after I finished, so I must not have did a very good job. Well, <clears throat> things that are slipping. What's slipping? What we call sin. Oh, by the way, God's Word doesn't slip on it. What we call sin does slip. Oh, also our prayer life over sin saying, I need to pray about my sin. And forget to looking at other people, just me and God, and get it right. Because my sin affects other people, even if it's personal and private. Remember Achan? Nobody knew. God did. He said, I'm going to bring down your family and the nation because of your sin. So did you know the Bible says that your sin can affect your children and your grandchildren? You say, that's not fair. God says that's life. And it's just part of it. Did I ask my mom and dad to get a divorce? Did it affect me? Sure did. Did I make a decision? Had none. No say-so. I'm just showing you. I mean, that's a simple, little, bitty example. You say, well, was that sinful? It, it, there, sin, there was sin somewhere. <laughs> okay. And it affected, you see what I mean? I didn't ask for it, but did it affect me? So you can't, you can't argue with me on that. I'm right. I know I lived it. And yet some of y'all are living it too. Our sins affect our kids. Our, just say our family. Okay, and all of you know I'm speaking the truth. God's Word backs that up. Our sins affect everybody around us. But what's my point? Do we pray? Over our sin. Do we go to God in brokenness and just pouring it out to Him? That's my point. That's what's slipping. That's where we won't be broken before Almighty God. Folks, I, when I came to Promised Land six and a half years ago, I, you know, some of y'all commented about that series that I preached, Life in the Blender, where I talked about going, you, God can take a bad situation, whether it be divorce or whatever. And make something good out of it. He can bring about forgiveness, healing, restoration. Aren't those good things? They are good things. Healing. And folks, forget about your past. Put it in the past. Say, God, help me to put it in the past. And I want to start right now because none of y'all, including Brother Michael, can change the past. And I need to start living for God today. But so many people live in the past, they can't live for God today. Don't live in the past. Live. God only asks you to live today. Why do you think it says today is the day of salvation? Because you can't be saved yesterday and tomorrow's not here yet. Okay? I need to live a holy life, so that's what God wants me to do today. And all of those scriptures are great scriptures. But folks, 
I just want to read one. Go to Matthew 16. Somebody said, well, Brother Michael, you're not quite finished. Just keep preaching. Well, some of y'all I'm losing, so I'm going to make it quick. Okay? All right, so I'm going to make it quick. And we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And by the way, a hymn of invitation is between you and God. It's what are you going to do with what you just heard? Matter of fact, you can wad that outline up in, in privacy and say, I don't want to, I don't care what Brother Michael says. Well, really, that, that's okay. What are you going to do with what God says? As, you know, people have wadded up my outlines before and threw them in my face. Well, after they tried to kick me out of the pulpit. Has happened. If you hadn't heard that story, ask me after church. Literally, WWF on stage. Matthew sixteen twenty four. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. You know, what does it mean, deny yourself? Living life to please you instead of living life to please God. There is a difference. You say, I don't understand. Is it your will that you're trying to please? Is it other people or are you trying to please God? And then it says, take up your cross. Many people won't make the thing. When Jesus said that, he said, this is a sign of death. Let your old way of living die. They knew. Now, to us, a cross represents life. In 2,000 years, that symbol has changed, and, and, and mostly because of Catholics. It's a, that's where Jesus died. Gives us hope. And, but to a Jew living in Jesus' day, it represented pain, suffering, and death. And he said, matter of fact, I love what one missionary said, when God calls you, he's saying, come and die. Died of what? Died of this world, died of this flesh, and live for him. If that made sense, I hope it did. Die to my flesh, die to my, my way of thinking, live for him. I may not live long, but I'll live for him. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Let's bow for a word of prayer, Father. I thank you so much for the everybody that put in to this service this morning. Your Holy Spirit has been moving. And I pray that we had realized that this business of serving you is so serious. It is so meaningful. Am I living? Am I just going through the motions? There may be somebody here this morning and them and their family. They're just going through the motions. And uh, dear Lord, help it to be help this service to maybe be a wake-up call for them. Father, I pray that we would continue with revival. Thank you for your love and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.